Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, your daily, brief, hopefully insightful, sometimes entertaining, occasionally profound look at just one page of Talmud a day. Today, we have the pleasure of having a guest. Let me tell you how I met our guest today. She is Jackie Canjado, the director of the JCRC of the Jewish Federation of Cincinnati. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Leo. I, I want to tell people how we met. Yeah. So, um... Our boss, Alana Newhouse, went to give a talk in Cincinnati and comes back with just one piece of news, which was, you have to meet this person, Jackie. Jackie is amazing. And so, obviously, we do everything Alana says because we love and respect her. And we call you, and then you help bring us out to Cincinnati, and we meet you. And not only do we completely confirm that you are indeed amazing, but we're also becoming privy to something that, that is not just very important to Jewish communal life, but kind of central to the story, to the page of the Talmud we're reading today, which is how much of actual Jewish communal life in this country is sustained, maintained, nurtured, nourished, made possible and amazing uh, by, by people like you who, who do this incredible work and not always have uh, the fame and the fortune that they deserve. Yes. No, it was great having you guys here and, um, you know, the start of a friendship and what Alana said about me, I've been telling everyone about Alana as well. You got to meet this woman, Alana Newhouse, and you have to meet her through her writing or in person, ideally. Um, and of course the unorthodox team, we're just, we're big fans in Cincinnati. So I want to tell you the story that we read in today's page of the Talmud and see how, uh, you as, as a, a, a rising lay leader uh, in the community, not just in Cincinnati, really nationwide, um, relate to the story. So this is a story of the patriarch, you know, the, the boss of the Jewish rabbinic community, Rabban Gamliel, who was uh, not someone who suffered dissent lightly, uh, had a bit of a uh, kind of dictatorial streak, uh, liked to sometimes humiliate people by making them stand up when they argued with him because he didn't particularly like arguments. And at some point, a lot of the rabbis felt that he was kind of pushing it too far. And they sent him uh, on a sort of apology tour that led him to the house of one of the other prominent rabbis at the time, Rabbi Oshua. And Rabban Gamliel walks into Rabbi Oshua's house and he's shocked to find that, you know, Yoshua doesn't live in great luxury. Gamliel was a was a wealthy man, a man in a position of power and influence. And he walks into Yoshua's house and he understands right away that Yoshua makes his living, even though he's one of the greatest rabbis of the time. He he his day job is a blacksmith. The house is, you know, covered in suit, it's dirty, it's a blacksmith's house. And he says, from the walls of your home, it is apparent that you are a blacksmith. He's sort of very surprised. And Rabbi Yoshua looks at him and says to him the following, which really stuck with me, especially after meeting you and, and seeing the great work that you and, and, and so many other lay leaders in, in this country do. Here's what he says to him. Woe unto a generation that you are its leader, as you are unaware of the difficulties of Torah scholars, how they make a living, and how they feed themselves. In other words, he's saying to him, Man, you don't even know how hard it is for the lay leadership of this community to just make this happen, to just sustain the community. When you read this story, um, did it resonate with you? Yeah. So there were two pieces of this that I picked up on. One was this very particular sort of 
um, nod at, at lay leadership, right? And so in the Jewish community, we think about the lay, the, the way our, our, our community, our volunteers really lead our organizations. And I think that's that's a real particular difference in the Jewish community than other nonprofit life from, from what I know, you know, that we're, we really empower, lift up and rely on the strength of our lay leaders to, to do a lot of, a lot of lifting and a lot of guiding for no pay, by the way. I mean, these are people who are volunteering their time um, and their connections and their talent. And, and so, you know, the first thing I thought was, wow, yeah, how true and how amazing that the Talmud, this, you know, like archaic writing really gets right at the heart of the fact that this, there's this incredible sacrifice that our lay leaders make every day to sustain Jewish communal life and really to lead us. And as hard as my day is every day, I think, well, at least they pay me, right? <laughs> right. You know, there's there's a lot of lay leaders. We have an amazing JCRC board and a federation board, and they do this for fun. They do this because this is important to them, and, and that's what they get from it. So that's the first piece. For the love of heaven, as we say. For, that's right. So I think that's been a real, honestly, honestly, a blessing for me is to kind of learn from that and look at that example of selfless, really selfless, committed for the sake of heaven, as you said, leadership. But the second part of it was thinking about the sustainers of Jewish life, thinking about the people who um, are committed day in and day out from a career standpoint in a professional way to thinking about the future of Jewish identity and of Jewish community. And it's certainly in the work I do at JCRC, that's, that's, I would say it's not just my day job. It really is my, it's my life. I mean, and in Jewish communal work, I think you're either committed to a lifestyle of it right. or it's not for you because there, there's no such thing as regular hours. And I say that really lovingly. I mean, it's, it's, it's not that there's someone else expecting that it's, it's what I expected myself and it's what the role demands. Um, and you know, it's a family enterprise, right? Like I'm invested in this work. Um, my husband and my daughter are invested in this work, uh, <laughs> as, as he would tell you when he you know, watches her twice, twice a week while I have evening events. And um, so it is definitely a sacrifice. Um, but I think the kind of people who are committed to this, um, we don't see it as a sacrifice. I mean, I see this as I'm fortunate to have a job that marries my passion for, you know, my, my Jewishness, for Jewish identity, for community with an ability to make a living. And, and I'm really, I, I consider myself really lucky. So look, I have nothing to say to what you just said, except for hallelujah and, and how fortunate we are to have you. But but I want to kind of <laughs> raise this this difficulty. And, and look, I know this doesn't necessarily pertain to you. I, I know that you're personally very fulfilled in, in your own position, but we travel the country for the Unorthodox podcast and, and for Tablet Magazine. And we, we talk to a lot of people in Jewish communal leadership. And more often than not, you know, the stories we hear are far from perfect. You know, the stories we hear yeah. more often than not are that there are people in a position of high sort of executive leadership. I don't think it will be unfair to say that most of them are men of a certain age uh, mm -hmm. who, who do earn, you know, a lot of money for their efforts and do have a lot of visibility. And then there are the people actually making everything happen, all the book fairs and all the programs and all the education and all the magic that keeps people actually tethered to a community. And these people, you know, more often than not, I was shocked to learn that for all our talk of Jewish continuity, there are no real maternity leave policies and, and no real compensation and social, you know, compensation structures that would really incentivize people and reward them to make this this work possible. And I, that really led me back to Abi Yoshua because I kind of think, you know, woe to this generation that its leaders don't see the amazing work that's being done and compensated accordingly. D does this resonate with you? 
Yeah. I mean, it's really about investing in talent, right? Talent is an investment. And and it's it's not just a fiduciary investment, by the way. I mean, when I think about what makes my life work, it's not just salary. It's flexibility. It's the ability to take my child to the doctor when I need to and sometimes to work from home. And if I have a really late night to come in a little late the next day. And frankly, that comes from the top. I mean, that comes from leadership that lives that balance and that empowers their staff to own that balance for them. And I, you know, I think you're right. I mean, I can't say authoritatively that I'm the exception and not the rule, but certainly, and I I don't know that we're unique in the Jewish communal world in this way. I think that people are burned out left and right in terms of professional America and speaking specifically about women my age. I mean, unfortunately, you have a situation where, you know, you're just reaching really like stride in your career and and places where you can grow and and really lead when like the biological clock is running out. And if you're going to have kids, it's now or never. And so, you know, the kind of workplaces and the kind of leadership that understands that and accommodates that and, and not just like says they do, but actually lives it. That's what really makes the difference, I think. And and at the end of the day, if working in Jewish communal space and community and and work is a lifestyle and it's not just a nine to five, then we have to create lifestyles. I mean, we have to really build that in as, you know, how is someone going to live their life to do this job? What does this look like on the marathon level, not just the sprint level? Right. And so let me ask you this. Uh, assume, as as I sure hope, that the Rabban Gamliels of today, uh, the the real leaders of the community nationwide are are listening right now, and and assume you're you're our Rabbi Yoshua of the day. What do you have to say to these leaders? What what kind of words of of advice would you like them to take away to ameliorate the situation and make it better? Listen to the people on the front lines about what they need. But if you have the right person for the job, and you know that they're every day doing everything they can, and that they're their own harshest critic, and they're they're going to hold themselves to higher standards than anyone else, then take a cue from them on what they need to, to be sustainable in their work and to be um, fulfilled. I mean, it's it's actually, it's not just about balance. It's also when I think about the, the privilege I have in Cincinnati and, and how I feel about my work, uh, it's the fact that I have creative liberties, right? Like I, I have freedom to think big and to dream about the ways we can do our work. And I have support in that. So I think it's it's not just about accommodating sort of the balance and thinking about someone's lifestyle and taking a cue from them on that. It's also listen to what makes people tick and do the best you can to nourish that. Amen, Salah. Jackie Gonjado, blessed is the generation that has leaders like you and all our love to sunny Cincinnati. Thank you so much. Thank you and give Alana our best. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoyed this show, please go rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly section of Reading Daf Yomi. I'm your host, Leah Leibowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash take one or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon.